Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Zandi, the Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and I'm joined by my two trusty co-hosts, Marissa DiNatale and Chris Dorides. Hi, guys. Hi, Mark. Good morning, How are you Mark. going? Good to see you guys. And we also have Dante D'Antonio, of course, a, a standard bearer on this uh, Jobs Friday. Uh, hi, Dante. Morning, Mark. I hear you're not feeling so well this morning, but uh, thanks for you know toughing it out with us on the Inside Economics. Sure. Uh, did you? That wasn't very. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, gu- hey guys, I did not, I did not require Dante to be on this. <laughs> you asked and you received, Mark. I'm here. Okay, there you go. Okay, well, I, and I do feel bad. I, the colds are no fun uh, any time of year, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you're with us. Um, I, I thought before we kind of dig into the meat of the matter, which is obviously the employment report for the month of December, December 2022, which not that I want to color anyone's perspectives. I thought that was a pretty good report uh, all around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the only I'm laughing because. Well, Chris, you want to describe or? Oh, I, you know, it's not great for uh, radio, I guess. It's for not the guys great for on radio, <laughs> but it's great for video. Yeah. I just uh, put up a sign that I had handwritten five minutes. Oh, and it's backwards too. So um, yeah. uh, going according, going exactly according to script, which uh, yeah, there you go. I suspect was going to be your, your uh, interpretation of the report. <laughs> That's right. That's so funny. You're uh, making your own meme. Yes. Own meme. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but before we dive into that, and it, I do think it was kind of right to script, uh, just, just saying, uh, we've had this week of slow session. So uh, uh, maybe, Chris, because you coined this term, you want to describe uh, slow session and what it means to the outlook or our outlook? Uh, sure. So we actually uh, it came up on one of the uh, Inside Economics podcasts, I think the one right before Christmas, if I'm not. Uh, mistaken. We've been struggling for a while to come up with a word to describe our uh, baseline forecast for 2023, which uh, definitely has slowing, right? No doubt about it. We're we're all agreed that uh, 2023 is going to be a rough year in terms of output. A uh, labor market is going to slow as well. Um, so is it a growth recession? Well, that sounds maybe a little too strong. Do expect it to be a pain, somewhat painful, uh, certainly. But true recession, and this is, I guess, where we debate a bit. Doesn't sound right either because we're not uh, even, even, uh, even I am not calling for three, four million uh, job losses, which would be typical. So, is it a mild recession? So we came up with this slow, so slow session uh, term to define uh, what we think uh, is going to happen in twenty three. So somewhere between a true recession or a typical recession and expansion um yeah put it together I, I, come up with slow sessions so. i thought it was a great description and it feels like it's caught on right i mean we uh it's, it's out there in the uh in, in the kind of sort of in a, in a in a very small economics world felt like it went viral you know <laughs> not in a rock star kind of viral way but maybe in a economic community kind of way it, was, it felt like it went, it went viral so well, well it helps that you uh, titled your uh, economic outlook piece for yeah exactly slow right. session yeah, and we have a slowsession.com session. session. website that uh, and I thought that was pretty it. creative. You did that over the holidays. Yeah. You, you, so did, did you have to pay money to do that? Like what? what how much does that cost to establish a URL? Like, these I days? think it's uh, ten dollars. Uh, ten dollars, $10, but it's ten dollars a year, right? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, let's see what it, if I, let's <laughs> see if right. we need it in twenty four. I don't know. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, maybe then Moody's will pick up the tab. I don't know. Oh, let's see. All right. Yeah. Well, that that uh, very good. Um, okay, uh, so we're going to do a few things in this uh, podcast. One, go uh, down deep into the bowels of the jobs numbers and try to clean what that means for the outlook and for monetary policy and for markets and everything else. Uh, we're going to do the game, uh, the statistics game. And uh, we have this new uh, feature of the podcast that we've been talking about and, and that and tried it out a little bit at the end of last year is uh, answer listener questions. Uh, and we'll, we'll do, try to do all those things in the next uh, hour or so. Okay. So with that, um, Dante, take it away. Well, give us the rundown uh, on the uh report for the jobs report for the month of December, 2022. Sure. I'll steal your line. I think it went exactly according to script, right? I mean, <laughs> got a, a moderation in, in top line job gains, right? Uh, job growth came in at 223,000. Yeah, it's down from a revised 256 in November. Uh, you know, the three month moving average is now just under 250,000 jobs a month. That's down pretty substantially from the prior three-month average, which was north of 350,000 jobs a month. So we're seeing the labor market moderate, uh, you know, maybe not as quickly as some people would have hoped or expected, but it is definitely moderating. Um, growth still came in above consensus expectations, which was for 200,000 jobs to be added. But you know, consensus seems to consistently be wanting the job growth, job growth to slow more quickly than it has been. Um, so I don't think it was unexpected to see that moderation uh, be a little bit slower than expected. Unemployment rate edged lower, right, from 3.6% to 3.5%, which is you know, probably not what the Fed wants to see, but at least it moved lower for the right reasons. We got a turnaround in- Can you just explain uh, that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the unemployment rate moved lower in large part because labor force participation picked up for the first time in a couple of months and employment, uh, as measured by the household survey, jumped by quite a bit, over 700,000 in December. Um, so, you know, strong reading from the household survey after it had been showing quite a bit of weakness uh, over the last three, four or five months. Um, so more alignment among the two surveys, the establishment survey and the household survey that we've seen in recent months. Uh, industry wise, I mean, there's not a whole lot of weakness and the, where the weakness is was sort of expected on a major industry basis. The only declines were in information and professional business services. And both of those are you know, sort of exposed to the string of high profile tech layoffs that we saw back in mid-November, uh, which would affect this report. Um, temp help services also continued to decline, which is you know part of professional business services. Um, that's not unexpected. You know, it's typically a bellwether of general weakness in the labor market, you know, a slowing uh, economy uh, as firms cut temporary help before they cut full-time employees. Um, so not a huge surprise there. Construction and manufacturing, I think, continue to hold up sort of better than we would expect given the current environment. Uh, wage growth slowing, right, on a month over month basis, up about three tenths of a percent. Point two seven. I did that three, I believe. There you go. Point, just, yeah. just saying. Only three yeah. decimals? Do you have more than that? Or is that... I thought that would be over the top. If I <laughs> yeah, so, but, uh, but we'll come back to that. that that's that's an important number. And year over year wage growth now is back under 5% after it had jumped above 5% last month briefly. Uh, so that again is moving in the right direction, maybe not quite as quickly as, as the Fed would hope to see, but certainly moving in the right direction. 
uh, average weekly hours ticked lower again, um, which again is a sort of a, a positive sign. I think that firms are starting to to reel in a little bit, and you know, is likely an indication that job growth is going to continue to slow moving forward. Uh, yeah, so I'm, all in all, I think it, you know, I don't know that you could design a a better picture of the labor market given everything that's happening and what we want to happen moving into 2023 in terms of slowing job growth. Any blemishes at all in the report? I mean, from, you know, in, we're kind of in this weird world where we want job growth to slow, but we don't want it to, to obviously collapse. That would mean the economy is going to go into recession, but it, we need it to slow so that uh, it cools off, uh, get more slack, a bit more slack in the labor market and uh, cause wage growth to start to moderate even further, get back to something more consistent with the Fed's target. In, in, that, in that kind of context, is there any blemish in the report at all? I don't know so much. It was, I mean, I've, in an ideal world, we'd like to see labor force participation pick up even faster, right, to help take some of that pressure off of the unemployment rate. Yeah, we'd ideally like to see the unemployment rate edge a little bit higher, not a little bit lower. Um, but again, the labor force did expand. And so we were moving in the right direction, maybe just not quite as quickly as we would like. Yeah, just because uh, there's so many things to unpack here, but just while we're on the subject, on the labor force participation rate, it feels like that's the new norm, you know, that it's down about a percentage point from where it was pre-pandemic. We're now three years after the start of the pandemic. And uh, even without the pandemic, that participation rate would have declined, right? Because of the aging out of the boomer generation from the, from the workforce. Maybe not a full point, but pretty darn close to a full point. So it almost feels like, and and the other thing to point out, its participation rate has been roughly where it is now, just over sixty-two percent for almost a year. I mean, it really been tick up one month, tick down another month. It hasn't gone anywhere. It just feels like this is, the, as I said, the new norm. Uh, it, it there there isn't any. We can't expect labor force participation to pick up to any significant degree to provide any any juice to labor supply, labor force growth. Yeah, I agree. I don't so much uh, think about the labor force participation rate compared to pre-pandemic anymore. I think as much as I just look for the labor force to continue to grow month over month, I think that's you know that's the most important thing right now is not does the participation rate ever get close to where it was before because I don't think it will, but do we continue to add you know 100, 200, 300,000 people to the labor force you know to help take some of that pressure off to help fill some of those open positions? I think that's more important right now. Got it. You don't, hey, you don't see the, uh, oh, sorry, Chris. Sorry. You, so you don't see the retiree, early retirees coming back in, the ones that left. Um, I don't think we've seen much evidence of that. I think things have maybe stabilized a little bit where you, you don't see that exodus happening anymore. Maybe some have come back, but I don't think you're going to see a wholesale shift in terms of a bunch of people who retired early in the last two years start to all of a sudden come back to the labor force. Um, you know, maybe if there is a recession, maybe if things turn south, maybe that encourages more people to come back after that, you know, if, if, you know, finances take a hit, but I don't think in the current environment, given, you know, equity levels for people that you know, probably yeah. made that decision to retire, that there's all that much incentive to come back right now. Okay. So there's this theory that as the savings run out, right, all those excess savings run out and as stock prices remain depressed, you will see some, but I guess we're saying that would be on the margin. Uh, not expecting so. a, a wholesale return. Yeah. And that's also, uh, we've seen that before in prior recessions, right? That after a recession with the hit to asset values, we get some retirees coming back. So as Dante said, I think if we go into a recession next year, 
this year, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, then, then maybe you'd see some of that, but I don't think that's atypical. But while we're on the topic of labor, we're, we're now focused on labor supply, right? The supply yeah. of labor. And ultimately that's the growth in the labor force and the growth in the labor force is equal to the participation rate times the working age population. And we're not getting any support to labor force growth uh, from participation. That's flat as a pen, pancake. And, and, you know, maybe it'll go up a little bit if some of those retirees come back in, but we're talking on the margin here. Maybe there's yeah. some lingering COVID effects that abate, you know, parents with childcare issues or long COVID, you know, maybe, but th- I don't know that we can look to a significant increase in participation to help us out on labor supply, but on working age population, that's strong. Uh, you know, if you look at overall labor force growth and that is labor supply, uh, that's, you very strong. It's over 200,000 per month, you know, on average. So that's, that's what the key reason why over the past almost year, even though job growth is now close to 200, 250,000 per month, unemployment is stable because we're getting increased working age population growth. And that, and just to pull, pull that onion back one more layer, that's because immigration has picked up to a significant degree. Uh, and we're seeing very significant increases in labor force partic- uh, supply from uh, from foreign foreign born workers so uh, on the on the labor supply front it feels it feels pretty good to me I mean anything over 200k per month is pretty darn good any disagreements there any pushback on that no no okay. I, I I'm looking forward to next month because next month is the population controls in the household survey so every year when BLS releases the January employment release. The CPS gets rebenchmarked to actual counts of population from the Census Bureau. Oh wait, isn't wasn't that this month or did I no? Mean, was that next? No, month? it's next month. Oh, this month, month they redid the seasonal. Adjustment. Oh, they did the seasonal adjustment yeah. factors this month. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but next month they'll they'll do the population benchmarking, so we'll get a a new count of what population looks like. Well, I want to come back to these measurement issues around revisions to the data because there's been a lot of debate discussion around that and we are going to get a benchmark revision and we'll talk about what that means in a minute but before we go there let's just finish the the kind of the broad discussion around this today's job numbers marissa anything else you want to highlight or point out that dante didn't didn't mention i'll just point out that i don't i don't i don't see it as a big slowdown from the prior months um if you look at private sector payroll employment, it actually strengthened a bit relative to the, to last month. And that's because there were um, declines in state government. So if you take government out of it and the government declines were due to a strike um, at state universities. So if you just look at the private sector, it actually was a bit stronger. Um, it's just really solid all around, you know, like almost all, all these service industries that we've been waiting to see some weakness in are holding up very strongly. I'm still, um, you know, construction holding up and being as strong as it is, is interesting. Um, and the other thing I'll note is hours. If you look at the average work week, the number of hours people are working that is ticked down month after month for the past several months, which is again, some sign of maybe a leading indicator on just slowing demand for labor. Okay. Uh, Chris, anything you want to add? 
I also picked up on the construction. That was uh, interesting that it continues to remain quite strong relative to what else is, you know, what we're seeing elsewhere in terms of um, construction activity. If you really want to nip it, you have, you have to go down into some of the demographics, perhaps, so less than high school unemployment mm -hmm. rates actually ticked up, but that's very volatile. So, you know, you can find some blemishes if you want, but um, overall, very, very strong report, right? Hard to, hard to really complain about anything. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, okay. So this may not surprise you, but I think that was a fantastic report uh, all the way around. I mean, I, jo the job market is definitively slowing throttling back <laughs> that's right it is go back a year average monthly job growth was well over five hundred thousand per month abstracting from the vagaries of the monthly data it is now definitively less than half that you know we can debate it but it's less than half that and we're getting downward revisions now in the prior months and this number probably will get revised lower as well all the leading indicators of job creation are signaling slowing job creation going forward. So temp help is down. Uh, hours worked are down. Uh, so on the labor demand side, it just definitively feels like we're moving in the right direction here. Uh, second thing, labor supply feels, as I mentioned earlier, feels pretty good to me. Uh, you know, despite the labor force participation rate just hanging tough, we're getting more labor supply. And the combination of moderating labor demand and strong labor supply means that the the uh, slack in the labor market, it, you know, it's not really easing to a significant degree, but uh, it feels like it's starting to develop. We're starting to get some slack in the labor market. And despite that, despite not having a lot of slack in the labor market, unemployment at 3.5, uh, the employment to population ratio for prime age workers at 80%, that's kind of our threshold for full employment in the labor market. Despite that, it, it you know just take a look at year-over-year -year growth in average hourly earnings. It's clear now with all the the, the revisions that occurred with uh, this month's release and the seasonal new seasonal adjustment factors that that is slowing. It's now year-over-year four-six. It was five-six back at this, uh, the early part of uh, 2022, and we're you know of course you know the threshold uh, there is we need something around three and a half percent to be consistent with the Fed's. 2% inflation target, assuming 1.5% productivity growth. So 2% inflation plus 1.5% productivity growth is 3.5%. That would be where we'd want to see wage growth to to, uh, to ensure that we're, we're going to get uh, inflation close to the, the Fed's target. And it feels like we're headed in that direction, even without forming a whole lot of slack in the labor market. And that goes back to something we've been talking about before, and that is, in my view, that jump in wage growth we saw earlier in the year that was related to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the jump in oil, uh, commodity prices, food prices, agricultural prices. And we saw this gapping out of inflation expectations and workers said, hey, to their employer, you've got to pay me more to compensate for the my higher cost of getting to work. And it, we saw that jump in wages. But now that uh, we're seeing uh, oil prices back in, gas prices coming back down, inflation and expectations for, for workers coming back in, we're seeing that wage growth moderate, and that again is without any significant in increase in labor market slack. And we're going we're going to get that, you know, here going forward. If, just looking at the trend lines, so I don't know. It's almost like I, 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 if I had a piece of paper and I wanted to write down the numbers that I wanted to see in this month's report, this came pretty close, you know, uh, to the to those numbers. And going back to that point two seven three, 
take that's the that's the month to month percentage change in average hourly earnings. That's November, December. And don't read too much into the month to month changes. I know shouldn't do that, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's consistent <laughs> with my view. Take 0.273, multiply by 12, poor man's way of annualizing. What number do you get? Anybody? Anybody? Three and a half percent. Oh, there you go. It's, it's, it's close. It's very close. Uh, hey, by the way, one of my favorite movies of all time, you want to guess what it is based on what I just said? Anybody? Anybody? A Beautiful oh, Mind. <laughs> no, no, no. I think Chris said it. It's a Groundhog Day. No, that's a good movie. Rain Man. <laughs> no, Dante knows. Anybody? No Bueller, idea. anybody? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Have you guys never seen that movie? Oh, my gosh. Oh, of course. That is like a classic. That's what is top- the connection to that and two, three and a half percent wage growth? Oh, no, this I started. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where the professor who is. Oh, when he said anybody, 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 yeah. anybody, got it, got it. Got it. Yeah, got yeah. It. So yep. remind oh. me of the movie. Yeah. So trivia. What was he? What was the question that the professor was asking him? Oh, was it was an economics. Because uh, uh, he was class. Simon. He wasn't. He was a. He's a. Was he Herb? Not uh, who. He's a uh, an economist. The, the yeah. an actor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was Ben Stein. Ben Stein. Ben Stein. Right. Ben Stein. So what did he? Do you guys know what he asked? I don't and know Chris, what he asked. Chris, you know. It was related to um, tariffs, as I recall. Oh, tariffs, right? A smooth holly or something? <laughs> smooth holly. Yeah, great. Yeah, smooth right. holly. Yeah. I think that was it. Well, if we're wrong, the listeners are going to tell us pretty quickly. Yeah, they quickly, are pretty so, quickly. Yeah. So. But I thought that was I a think pretty that's good right. movie. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, you know, you heard my spiel. I'm, I'm actually, I feel so weird. Yeah. I actually now get nervous on two days of the month. Uh, no other days do I get nervous. First is Jobs Friday. The second is now the CPI report. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm sitting there, you know, at breakfast waiting to hit the button, bls.gov, bls.gov. And and then I get really annoyed if it's not, you know, doesn't come up at exactly 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But uh, uh, but uh, I felt pretty good with that report. Uh, I thought it was, you know, right down the strike zone. Um, okay, let's uh, go back a little bit and... Um, get into the nitty gritty here. And for those folks out there that don't want to get too nerded out, maybe you can turn to some music for the next five, 10 minutes or something. But yeah, uh, you know, if you go uh, watch Ferris need, Bueller or go for it. Yeah. Go watch that clip. You know, <laughs> I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. It's classic. Uh, and let's talk about revisions. Uh, and um, Mercer, do you want to give us a, a rundown on, uh, you know, particularly the benchmark revisions? I don't know. Have you been following, this uh, uh, kind of debate discussion around the Philly Fed work around revisions. Have you been following that at all? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, you want to fill us all in on that one? Cause I think that's actually quite interesting and important. Sure. And, I mean, and, I don't remember the specific numbers, but I mean, I can give you the, the overview The the Philly Fed did an analysis of state level data from the quarterly census of employment and wages, the QCEW that, Sur- that that is not a survey actually it's a complete count of people on payrolls that comes from unemployment insurance records and this is the same data source that every single year the BLS when they release also when they release the January numbers they will be benchmarking the um the CES the establishment survey data to this count 
to see how far off they were in these these month to month estimates that are coming from a survey, a sample survey. So the Philly, yeah, the Philly Fed did an analysis a few months ago where they looked at the state counts of employment from the QCW. And they think that average monthly job growth through, I think it was, was it through July that they did it, um, was was actually quite weak. It was barely changed from right. earlier in the year. It was something like, I don't know, they, they said only like, yeah, 10,000 jobs had been added on net compared to the establishment survey, which says there were over a million jobs added over that period. Um, so they're suggesting that the benchmark revisions in, you know, coming years that there'll be one in, there'll be one next month that will be released. And then there'll be, you know, there's one every January that it's going to show that job growth in 2022 was far, far weaker than what we've been seeing in the payroll survey. Do I have that right, Dante? Roughly? Yeah, roughly. I think the one thing to be careful about, right, they were looking at Q2 of 2022 in the Fed piece. Yeah. And when we get the benchmark revisions to national employment next month, that benchmark only actually goes through Q1, right? right so that's unlikely to show a huge revision, right? Q2 and Q3 and Q4 will just re-estimate a data next month. They won't actually be benchmarked. When we get the state employment benchmark a little bit later on in March, that will actually be benchmarked through Q2. So that may show us a little bit more of what the Fed was talking about in terms of a big slowdown in Q2, if, if it's still there. And you know, there may be some disagreement between the national number and the state number at that point in terms of what Q2 looks like. And we have looked at, you can look at the QCW national data and it does look weaker through the, through the summer. So there's actually, if you look at year over year growth in the QCW, there's actually a decline in employment through the middle of the year. So, I mean, that does give some credence to this, that there may be big revisions coming when we get the benchmark for, you know, 2022. Just to reiterate, because this is very hard to get your mind around. I, mean, I know it's, when it's I, confusing. Yeah, when I first started as an uh, as a professional economist over thirty years ago, this is the first thing I focused on, and it took me three years to even, you know, have some semblance of understanding of what the heck's going on here. But uh, broadly, uh, the monthly data we've been getting, like today's jobs numbers for December, that's based on a uh, a survey of some sample of businesses in the economy. I think. What three hundred fifty thousand? Like four hundred thousand. These are four hundred thousand establishments yeah, out there. Yeah, businesses out there. And uh, once a year, the Bureau of Labor Statistics takes that uh, survey-based data and bench so-called benchmarks it to actual employment counts from. You said QCEW. That's an acronym. Quarterly census, census of, employment of employment and wages. And wages. You know something. I think that's what it is. That's based on unemployment insurance records. So for every business on the planet. Well, in the United States, I should say, uh, needs to because they have to pay UI uh, insurance. They have to uh, tell the BLS, you know, exactly, you know, how many people are employed, uh, because that's the whole universe of establishments and businesses. They don't, they don't, you know, it's very hard, difficult to process historically. So they only use that. Uh, they only do this once a year, and it's as a March of each year, uh, and so the the benchmark revision we're going to get next month in February is based on 
the QCEW as of March of 2022. And by the way, we know that, because BLS told us, is going to be a revision up. They're mm-hmm. going to revise up employment of 500K, roughly 500K, that March number. So that means we created actually more jobs you know, in, in the year uh, through March uh, than previously estimated. And we know that for a fact. And now this Philly Fed report said, okay, let's take the QCEWs. We'll do the processing ourselves because we get that data. We can process it and make some sense of it. And they're saying as of the uh, Q2, June, the June data, uh, March to June, uh, based on that analysis, it feels like the job market really slowed very sharply at that point in time. It, it slowed in the survey-based data that we're looking at now. Uh, but it's they're 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 arguing that oh no it, it slowed even more than that. Uh, it, obviously, uh, uh, there's uh, I don't think it slowed as much as they think that they estimated because of as you said they're doing this from adding up states to the national and there's all kinds of complications which we won't go into there. The seasonal adjustment factors a lot of complication there. So I I, I doubt that it is slowed to the degree that the Philly Fed analysis would suggest, but it is very suggestive that the job market is actually slowing to a, to a greater degree. Uh, but, uh, but you, we have the two, one of the two of the best people in, in on the, in the country in, in Marissa and, and, and Dante to talk about this because they were at the BLS and kind of, this was kind of the work that they were doing uh, when, when they were there. Did I get that right? Was that, exp- I know you, I just reiterated because it's so tough to get your mind around it. Does that sound about right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it does. It you know I I had thought that this this it made sense that we'd see some downward revision in the establishment data, and that would make it more consistent with the data we're getting from the survey of households. That's the other survey. But in this month's report, we saw a huge increase in household employment. The employment as measured by the household survey. And now, if you look. Over the past year, the amount of jobs created under both surveys are roughly the same. They're roughly the same. You know, uh, uh, there really isn't a whole lot of difference there. So they're they're telling the, a very similar story. Um, okay, uh, let me before before we move on. You know, I had a bit of a soliloquy there uh, in term in terms of my interpretation of what this means for the economy and and the job market. The the, the December report. Anybody want to push back on that? I mean, it feels like we're all kind of in the same place. Maybe not taking it the next step and saying what it means for probability of recession in 2023, <laughs> but feels like we're all pretty much on the same page. Is that right? Any, any yeah. disagreement? Okay. Yeah. Right. I'll yeah. just say, I'll just say yeah, about go wage ahead. growth, average hourly earnings that, you know, it is affected by the composition of job growth over the month. And this month, if you look at the payroll survey, there mm. were a lot of low wage jobs added, right? So there were big gains in um, some components of healthcare that are lower wage and another big gain in leisure hospitality. And on the other side of the coin, there was either declines or no growth in things like finance and components of professional business services, which are higher paid. So that could be skewing the average earnings over the month lower than they actually are. But, you know, when we've talked about this a million times, there's no great, really good month on month tracking of wages. The wages that we get from the employment cost index, the ECI are quarterly. So there's a big lag there. So, you know, with in the absence of anything better, this is what we have to look at, but just take that with a, a grain of salt. Yeah. I want to talk about one other 
uh, labor market issue before we move on to the the game and listener questions. And that is, uh, this now is based on looking at the other big report we got during the week, the job opening labor turnover survey from the Bureau of Labor Six, so-called JOLTS, that kind of gives you better look into the bowels of the labor market and what's behind the job uh, growth that we're observing. And uh, one thing that I've noticed is all of the slowing in job growth that we've gotten over the past year. You remember we're at 600K per month at the start of, of uh, 2022. We're now down to say uh, we're 500K to 600K. We're now down to you know 200 to 250K, something like that. Is h- less hiring. So we've seen the number of hires by businesses decline. And uh, as of November, 2022, that's the last data point from Jolts that we got this past week. That is back to where it was pre-pandemic. So hires are very consistent with where they were pre-pandemic. What's so different about the current environment uh, and and why we haven't got even slower job growth is that layoffs remain very, very low. Just so, uh, and uh, I'm not going to go too deep into this because maybe I'll take someone's number for the game, but it, it, and you can see in the unemployment insurance claims, you can see it. In the JOLTS data, they're very low, well below pre-pandemic, well below what we've seen uh, historically. And, and kind of the, it feels a little counterintuitive for people because they hear about all these tech layoffs, right? You saw Salesforce, a big software company, uh, announced 7,000 in layoffs this past week. And of course, every major tech company from uh, you know Meta to Amazon has, have announced layoffs. Uh, but despite that, Overall, layoffs around the economy remain very, very low. So, which means other sectors of the economy are, you know, they're they're just not laying off workers. Uh, so I, you know, my expectation is that we will see a normalization of layoffs here over the next three, six, nine months. That will go from these record low layoffs back to something that's more typical pre-pandemic, and by so doing. Job growth is going to go from 200 to 250K to something closer to 100K, maybe a little bit south of that. And that is you know, precisely where the Fed would want to see that, uh, that, that job creation go. Because at 100K, that's, that is consistent with long-run labor force growth. You, you'll see some slack starting to develop in the economy, and that will help bring that wage growth in. Um, does, that, does that sound you know, roughly right. Um, that, that kind of, uh, narrative, I mean, anything to add to that kind of the observations I just made, uh, Dante? No, I think that's roughly right. I think there is some question around, you know, the timing of sort of announcement of layoff and sort of when that might actually show up in some of this data in terms of UI claims or in terms of jolts, you know, given the sort of unknown nature of what severance pay and other things look like, I do think there's some time lag between, you know, hey, we're laying off 7,000 workers and when that when those people actually appear in those different pieces of data, and particularly with UI claims, you know, for, for a lot of these people, if they're finding new jobs almost immediately, they may never be filing for, for unemployment insurance. So even though the layoffs happened, it doesn't mean that they have to show up in these different pieces of data necessarily. And it doesn't mean that if they're going to show up, that they're going to show up in, you know, a couple of weeks or even the next month, it may take a little bit longer than that. Um, yes, yeah, so I think, I think there's just a timing and, and sort of scale issue that could be a play a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this um, thought and I need to explore it more deeply, but the, the kind of the thought I've had is that to have a recession, it feels like you need to have a significant increase in layoff that 
I mean, can we have, a, I mean, hiring declines obviously in recession as well, but can you actually have a recession? You know, the economy, negative job numbers, the economy going backwards without a significant pickup in layoffs. I mean, it, does, it feels like that's kind of critical because at the end of the day, layoffs is what would spook people and consumers and have them pull back on their spending. I mean, if it's just simply that businesses aren't hiring, but everybody is you know, holding on to their job, it doesn't feel like that that's going to be enough to create that kind of panicked environment where people go go into the bunker and stop spending. Especially when well, the unemployment rate's three and a half percent. There's, if 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 businesses stop hiring, pretty much at this point, everybody who wants a job has a job, right? So I I agree. And historically, if you look back at recessions, you always see layoffs and you see decline outright declines in payroll employment. So I can't see calling it a recession if we're not getting massive layoffs. Well, it's not even calling it. It's not, a, you don't have a recession. That's right. Yeah, layoffs. Yeah. Okay. Chris, you were going to say yeah, something but, though. Well, yeah. You know, this time is different though, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this very much so. Throwing yeah. all your, so. What are you saying? Your sayings back at you. <laughs> you have so much uh, demand out there. There's there's structural issues here that I, I agree. If you had no layoffs, if you had no uh, declines at all, then certainly can't call it a recession. But if it's a million, right? So very modest compared to previous uh, recession, or if it's half a million uh, layoffs, right? Is that still a recession? But it, and consistent with slowing in other uh, metrics, spending down, investment down, GDP contracting. Well, hold it. Is that, just, is let that me give you the numbers, it? though. Okay, is I am going to give you the numbers. Hopefully, I don't take. And just, I'm. That's interesting what you're saying. I just want to understand the numbers. So if I look at Jolts in the month of November, there were 1.35 million layoffs. I, I don't think I'm making that number up. I think that's the right number. On average, uh, from the start of the series from Jolts, which is back in early the 2000s, through the pan up until the pandemic, the month average monthly layoffs, and this this would be a kind of therefore typical, you know, on average in a typical economy, was one point. 9 million, maybe 1.95 million. So, you know, I, I, I would think, and I'm, 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 you know, we need to see actually to avoid even further rate hikes and ultimately recession, we have to go from 1.35 to 1.9. You know, that's an increase of 500K, 550, 600K. That feels like we need to see that. But for us to go into recession, feels like we got to get into the you know, two millions, two and a half million per month, you know, something like that. And it feels like a far, far distance from where we are today. Uh, those are the kind of the numbers. So it's not 500K, Chris. It's, um, it's got to be a big increase in, you know, in, in, in layoffs. Yeah, I was, I I was talking about employment, right? Oh, so, employment. Oh, okay, right? sorry. Three to four, yeah. right? Typical okay. is three, four million job losses, right? Yeah, right. But what if it's much smaller than that, right? Where is that fine line between uh, recession and no recession? Right, right. I mean, because here, of the structural changes in the economy that we, we there's so much demand for for labor out there. Firms want to hang on to their workers, right? They'll sweat it through, right, rather than than lay off. Right. Yeah, I, I guess that's my point. I mean, it feels like 
businesses are going to be reluctant to lay off because they know that their number one problem is finding, you know, on the other side of this, this weakening in the economy, they know their number one problem for the, for the foreseeable future is going to be finding workers and retaining workers. So they're going to be really reluctant to lay off, but therefore the adjustment they're going to make to a weakening in demand and just a softer economy and their concerns about the economy. I mean, it, almost every CEO out there thinks recessions headed our, in our direction is through less hiring. Right. So if you have less hiring, you get, we, you know, you get a weakening in job growth, but it doesn't feel like you can actually can go into recession unless you have a increase in layoff, which would ignite that pullback in spending that is necessary for an actual contraction in economic activity. See what I'm saying? It just feels like a different dynamic at play here. This time is different, you know, in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that, that lack of hiring does pile up over time, yeah. right? So maybe that's enough to push us in that by uh, itself. It sounds like a slow session. Slow session. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does sound like a slow session to me. Yeah. Very good. Okay. I just wanted to try that out on you. I just, um, but I need to dig deeper. We need to dig deeper into that uh, kind of question, but uh, something interesting that uh, is going on that's very different than you know previous recessions, I think. Um, okay, let's play the game. Uh, statistics game. Uh, we each put out a statistic, put forward a statistics. The rest of the group tries to figure that out through cues and uh, deductive reasoning and clues. And the best uh, statistic is one that's not so easy. We get it quickly. One that's not so hard, we never get it. And something that bonus if it's apropos to the topic at hand, which is the job market, but doesn't need to be. Okay, who wants to go first? Who's going to raise their hand? I'm Dante. Should I get you out of the way? Because I know you're, you're you're kind of struggling there a little bit. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm on right my third. I'm on my third number because of all the details. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Oh no. Uh, good no. thing I had a third one. Uh, one hundred and forty-seven thousand is the number from the jobs re report it is from the jobs report uh from the payroll survey it is not from the payroll survey from the household, from the household. Survey. <laughs> 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 uh, and it is, it, it, to be more specific it's a decline of 147 oh well that would that's a little helpful the uh, minus oh, oh one it sounds like you missed a negative sign yeah <laughs> Yeah. It was intentional, you know. Don't, I don't want to give away too much right away. A decline of 147,000. Uh, could it be the number of people who are out of the workforce that say they want a job? That declined. It is not. Uh, okay. Uh, is it something like that? <laughs> in that, <laughs> in that genre? Yeah, it, it's it's close in terms oh, of- Oh, it's close. Okay. I'll give you close, sure. Uh, marginal, uh, so discouraged workers. It, yeah, it has something to do with labor. The one of those. Uh, yeah, one of those. Time uh, for economic reasons. Wandering around the right part of the report, I think. I know, I know. <laughs> and how you look at it? Because <laughs> it, it, we do know that uh, unemployment and underemployment declined in the month, right? So it's got to be one of those statistics that describe that. Is that right? That is that is correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. The and it's not okay. Uh, what do you think, Marissa? What, what you know the bowels of this report better than anybody? I know. I'm yeah, gonna go into it and start looking at it. Uh, 
I, I don't know. It's so it's not marginally attached. It's not discouraged. Part time for economic reasons. I said, said that. that. He, he said, said no. That. And I said no. Mm. Okay. Um, Can you give us a hint? Sounds like no. no. I'm trying, I'm trying to put us out of our misery. What is it? All right. What is it? It's the decline in long-term unemployment. So people mm. that have been unemployed for 27 weeks or more. Oh. And it's back down to essentially a cycle low, You know, basically the lowest it's been in, in quite some time. Oh, interesting. Uh, and I think that had been at least a concern of mine, I don't know, uh, recently, a year ago, maybe that you're, you'd have these people out of the labor force, out of the labor market for too long and it'd be hard for them to, to get back in, you know, given the pandemic and everything else that had happened. And that doesn't seem to be the case, right? I mean, there are, very few people that are long-term unemployed at this point, at least relative to you know historical levels. And so that's, a, I think, a positive sign. Yeah, it's uh, in the report, uh, they provide uh, data on the number of people unemployed by length of unemployment. Uh, right. ha- have you noticed anything else in that data? Like uh, near has near-term unemployment started to rise? Maybe the tech layoffs are showing there, or is that still also very low? I suspect it is still very low. I think it is still very low. I'd have to go okay. back. Okay. It yeah, is. No worries. Yeah. It's still very low. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. That was a good one. A uh, good statistic. Um, we we kind of fell up, fell down on the job, but you know that was a pretty good one. Hey, Mercy, you want to go next? Sure. Minus thirty five thousand. Oh, okay. You sure it's a negative? <laughs> yep. Is that okay. temp help? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Ooh. We talked about it. Whoa! And I wrote it in the release this morning, so that helped. Yeah, and he talked about it up front. There's the cowbell. Uh, yeah, that's go. a good one. Way to go! Uh, uh, and this is the I I picked it because it's it's fallen for five consecutive months, and it's down about down over a hundred thousand from its peak five months ago. And temp help is something we often look at as perhaps a leading indicator of where the rest of the job market is going. So employers will, you know, when they're ramping up after a recession, they'll hire temporary workers at first when they're still kind of unsure of where things are headed. And temp workers are often the first to get laid off or let go before um, employers start to let go permanent employees and they can easily adjust their demand for labor. And it just goes to what we were just talking about, about, you know, hiring may pull back. We haven't seen layoffs rise yet. They're incredibly low, but this, this is, you know, perhaps another indicator of just a a weakening in demand for labor that is not yet showing up in, in layoffs. Is there any chances labor supply? They, uh, these temp help companies just can't find workers. Sure. That could, that could certainly be. Okay, well, which is it? Is it de- you? You argued it was demand. I think it's. I think it's demand, just because okay. we've seen, we saw temp help, you know, rising, kind of rising and falling with the economic cycle. So we saw it fall off, obviously during the pandemic. Started coming back again when the economy reopened and rebounded, and then when things started to weaken early and you know late twenty one. 22 with higher inflation, Russia's invasion of Ukraine kind of weakened again. So it's very, it's very cyclical. I think it's, I think it's indicative of demand. demand. And I'll say other surveys that we've seen of business intentions to hire over the next year, you know, they're all kind of showing the businesses are saying we're going to pull back on hiring. Okay. 
So, so it, it could be supply, but it, you don't think it is. It's, I don't think it's it demand. is. Yeah. I think it's demand. Demand and signals that uh, it's a good leading indicator, signaling slower job creation going forward. I believe so. If so, companies yeah. aren't getting temp help, that's the first thing they cut before they actually stop cutting their own workforce or stop hiring their own workforce. They, yeah, they and hiring. and you know, like a lot of uh, people think of temp help always as sort of white collar jobs, but there's a lot of temp help that's used in manufacturing, too, and um, we've ah, seen that weaken quite a bit. A bit. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's where you manufacturers are still adding to payrolls, but the first thing it feels like they might be cutting their temp help. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing that would happen is when is that they start to cut their own payrolls. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Hey, Chris, what's your statistic? Okay, I'm gonna reframe the discussion here. Ooh, forty nine point six. Is you know the ISM non man survey just came out this morning. That's uh, the I one. Not a- oh, it's the non man. <laughs> See how I do that? I didn't even have a chance to look at it because that came out after we started this report. But I I could sense he was going in that direction. Yeah. So th- so reframing. that's reframing. Uh, yeah, you're you're saying your reframe was really important when you when you yes, said that. That was yeah. a hint. That was a little. Where's my cowbell? Man. I just gave it to you. Oh, did you? Okay, I didn't hear it. Okay, the there you go. Extra. The ring didn't come through. <laughs> Oh, so okay. So tell us about that report because uh, that came out while we were while we we're in the middle of this podcast, so we hadn't had a chance to look at it. So w- what's it say? That's right. So that's I, bad. I hadn't. <laughs> it's bad. Forty nine point six is uh, in contractionary territory, right below fifty. It was fifty six point five in November, so big drop in in the index. And across components, we can see a decline declines in business activity, new orders. Right, so if you're thinking of this as a more forward-looking type of index where business is headed, right, certainly suggests a a pullback in the services uh, part of the economy as well. Right, we've already talked about manufacturing, but services also seem to be softening. So, yeah, but but although this is you know bad news is good news, right? I mean, we we're expecting this, right? I mean, this has to happen. Well, to this degree, I mean, this is yeah, oh yeah, quick, oh yeah, yes, I, I would think. Yeah, especially on the ISM surveys, because that those are sent, you know, half sentiment surveys. You know what people feel because it's not based on, on data. But uh, uh but uh, what about well, do, you, do you see some data, the, right? They're new orders, right? They're getting some signals, right? Yeah, not purely yeah. speculation. Yeah, yeah well, uh, I'm curious what the markets are. How are the markets reacting to it? I, I, my guess is they're reacting positively to it. Uh, Good, bad news is good news. It's probably the case here. Oh, probably but, the combo, right? Yeah, this. yeah. They're pretty. I'm sure they're pretty happy with that. Plenty hey, can I ask though? On uh, one of the key statistics in that survey is the supplier deliveries, because that goes to inflationary pressures. How did that do? In that the man, manufacturing, that's way down, suggesting that you know inflationary pressures are abating pretty quickly in the manufacturing sector. What about services? That's important. Yeah, that, that came down as well. Oh, did it? Uh, Fifty three point eight to forty eight point five, right? So oh, that's a okay. That's inc- right? that's encouraging. Okay, all right. Okay, prices Very paid good. down, right? So yeah, yeah. Okay, so interesting. Just... Yeah, this this goes back to what you were saying. You pulled out one of these surveys, similar survey back in the last podcast, the the, the one done by uh, S and P. Yes, and, that, and that was weak as well as I recall. You criticized mercilessly. I, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Discredited. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But this is this is uh, certainly directionally in the right direction, uh, consistent, consistent with, with that. that report. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Um, so I guess, okay. yeah, again, you can see what you want to see. So definitely. Yeah, slower. yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Is it, yeah. The but, question is the speed of deceleration. The, right? the speed of deceleration. That's a good point. Right. But you're not arguing that, I mean, if you take this at literally face value, you're saying manufacturing's now below 50 ISM, non-man ISM is below 50. You're not, that would suggest the economy's contracting. You're not suggesting that, are you? Not yet, no, but it's certainly suggesting that we're moving that. Yeah. Direction. The momentum is certainly moving in that direction. Yeah, but now you're-, you're Again, you're, it's you're, deceleration, are you? Yeah, but that's right, deceleration. And that's consistent with everyone's view of what should happen, right? The economy's got to decelerate. But you're not arguing it's yeah. actually contracting. Or not at the you? moment. Not, not at, at the, the moment. moment. Okay. Right? Yeah. Actually, okay, here's, I got, I got my, this leads to my statistic, and that's a bit of a clue. You ready? Two numbers. 4.1, 1.4. Two numbers, they're related. 4.1%, I should say. Oh, in quits rate and layoffs. So. No. No. And I have changed, it's not employment related. It's not, oh, uh, it's not uh, related to the employment report, the jobs report or Joel's. It's not but it came out this week. Indeed. Indeed. They're both they, percentages or just the first one? Four they're both one. percentages. Yeah. The first one possible. came out, it was updated this week. The second one was updated, I think, last week. 4.1, percent It. Percent. Percent. Yeah. Uh, Not a percent change, just a percent. Percent. Yeah. I'll give you a clue. <clears throat> this is a pretty strong clue. Uh, it, uh, economic View, our Economic View website. This is something that oh. Dante runs. This is oh, very yeah. embarrassing, I will have to say. <laughs> it's our uh, estimate of fourth quarter GDP. Yeah. Yeah. 4.1% fourth quarter GDP. Fourth quarter GDP. Can I repeat that, please? 4.1%. That doesn't feel like a contraction to me. <laughs> I don't know. Again, uh, rear view mirror. All right. Oh, no. What do you, this ISM survey is for December. Yeah, that's the, yeah, all four yeah. of you. We're all talking about the yeah, four. and that's on top of three point two percent in Q three. Three point two. What was the one point four? What was 1. the one four? Okay, one point four. Dante, come on, that's Dante. What it, that's what it was. Oh, recently. That's and, true, you know, but that's not what. Although I, that was two revisions ago. What, you're you'll see other number on the EV website. <laughs> Current month. <laughs> so embarrassing. So embarrassing. I thought you were talking about the previous and the revision. I know. I know. Blah, blah, blah. Monthly yeah. for December and. The current quarter estimate is yeah. November. So Dante, Dante does a great job here. I'm just teasing, obviously, uh, but he puts together a current quarter tracking uh, estimate of GDP. So you take all the monthly data coming out, ISM surveys, employment reports, all that stuff uh, through our modeling, come up with an estimate, try to in, in, uh, summarize it in, in what does it mean for GDP uh, for the quarter and uh, all these numbers, I, I suspect when we put the ISM survey in there, it'll bring that down a little bit. We'll see how that does at the end of the day. But we were at 4.1% GDP growth. And by the way, the Atlanta Fed, the other uh, folks that do a good job here, they're at 4% too, I think, or something close to that. So that, And that's on top of 3.2% growth in Q3. So it doesn't feel like the economy is losing any momentum whatsoever. I mean, I don't want to overstate the case because it's trade and inventories and 
you know, clearly Q1 of this year is going to be a lot weaker than 4.1%, but nonetheless, and the 1.4, that's the monthly GDP estimate. So we estimate GDP monthly, you know, as you know, from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, we get quarterly estimates and we uh, construct our own estimates of monthly GDP. Uh, and for the month of November, month of November, it was 1.4%. And yet we haven't come out with December yet. We don't have all the data yet, but uh, that feels like that's going to come in strong too. So I don't know, Chris, I, I, I put my money on Dante's statistic other than that ISM survey. I, I don't know. Uh, it's pretty strong. It's your story um, better. Okay. Makes me feel better. Um, okay. Um, listener questions. Let's go to listener questions. And before we go there, I, you know, we have been getting some, you know, uh, just a, I should level set. We, we've started this uh, new part of the podcast where we answer questions that are being posed by by listeners. Uh, and uh, now the onus is back on the listener. So if you've got questions that you'd like us to address, and we'll address a, a couple, three of them, you know, try to do that uh, every podcast where we don't have an external guest. Um, please let us fire away. LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, help economy at is that help economy? I always get confused. Help economy yeah. at moody's.com. <clears throat> go to econo- go to economy.com website. You can post questions there. You know how to get, send us an email, you know, that kind of thing. And we've been getting a lot of good comments. And, and Chris, we got a really kind of heartwarming comment from a listener. You want to describe that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A long time listener. It's been a, a commenting with me and, and previously Ryan for a long time, but uh, Matt Forrester informed us that, uh, well, due to our podcast, we we motivated him to start uh, a graduate degree uh, this January. So, uh, congratulations and good luck uh, to Matt, and thanks for listening. Yeah, that was awesome. I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's a couple three questions. I'm just going to throw them out. Uh, what first one's to you, Chris, because uh, it goes back to slow session, and <laughs> okay. just to uh, put a finer point on it, the, the listener asked, "What's the difference between slow session and stagflation?" Uh, you want to take a crack at that one? Oh, I'd say they're uh, very different. Right, very so stagflation different. is is a really negative uh, economic outcome, right? High inflation and uh, slower, low growth, no growth, or actually slow growth, um, negative growth, contraction. So um, that's a, a very uh, severe situation like we had in the 1970s. Slow session is really just a, a slowing of the economy, economy that's Growing perhaps below, certainly well below potential, um, maybe even a, a couple quarters here or there of uh, small negative uh, growth, uh, but not, but not with that very high explosive type of inflationary environment. If anything, do expect to see inflation coming down over this period as well. So, um, that's how I would characterize. Yeah, it. They're, yeah, they're, they're quite yeah. different. They're very different right? things. Yeah, yeah. Stagflation bad. Slow session, the worst. Right. The worst. Slow session, not great, but it, obviously much better than recession, stagflation. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I declare victory. We should be very happy if we get slow session in in 2023, going into 2024. Okay, here's yeah. another question. Um, uh, since the recession is likely to say now, this this listener is not assuming we are going to have a recession. Uh, since the a recession is likely to be mild, is it possible? Let me just lost it here. Is it possible to have a downturn that is confined to just the housing and tech sectors alone? Is that 
Is that uh, consistent with a recession? Uh, Marissa, you want to answer that question? I think it's I think it's difficult to have a severe downturn in particularly in housing because it it is so um, the multiplier on housing is big. And what I mean by that is that there's a lot of jobs tied to the housing market in all different industries. I mean, you have manufacturing, you have financial services, you have construction, right? You have professional services. So I think it would be very difficult to have a severe contraction in a segment of the economy that, that that's that large and keep it confined to that part of the economy. Okay, one more. Okay, this is an interesting question, and I'll just read it verbatim. The tech valuation bubble has probably already popped. Banks have decent balance sheets. Emerging markets have already hiked a good deal, hiked interest rates a good deal. What fat still exists to be trimmed? So I guess the the, the broader question here is, you know, generally before recessions, you've got some major imbalances in the economy. Some something something fundamental is wrong. You know, tech bubble. Uh, he mentioned uh, this questioner asked about merging markets, but also real estate markets overbuilt, a high high leverage, that kind of thing. So <clears throat> it feels like a lot of those potential imbalances that could undermine the economy and lead to recession have been already addressed to some degree, right? I mean, stock prices are down 20%. Crypto prices have collapsed. As the listener pointed out, emerging markets have uh, kind of adjusted, raised interest rates, stabilized their currencies. The banking system is in pretty good shape. So what, what, what's out there, uh, what imbalance, what fundamental problem is out there that could uh, be at the center of a recession? Uh, Chris, do you want to answer that question? Well, I mean, the, I guess the obvious one is that inflation is still prices are out of whack. Right? Yeah, that's still the uh, the, uh, the the biggest factor uh, facing the economy, and the Fed is trying to address those with the with the rate hikes and monetary policy, and that's certainly a, a mistake. There could certainly be the the uh, final straw that leads us into recession. So that that would be one argument. I would say for the other asset, I mean, asset prices have adjusted, but they're not, you could argue that some of them have not completely adjusted, like housing, right? You could make the argument that uh, we still are quite overvalued. Now, we've argued for some demographics and other factors that would support housing through a, a more gradual adjustment process, but you could construct a scenario where house prices have to correct uh, further in a much more violent fashion, and that could trigger some recession. I, I don't put a lot of uh, probability on that, but if you want to look for sources of imbalance, that I would argue that the housing house prices are still out of balance relative to rents or incomes. Right? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so the, imbal the, 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 the imbalance is the thing that's staring us in the face, and that's the high inflation. Um, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the obvious one. Yeah. That's the obvious one. And of course, in past recessions, uh, many of them have been preceded by high inflation and a Fed that's been jacking up interest rates. So, you know, right. similar to kind of dynamic. The, the difference probably is that in those other recessions, we did have major imbalances in the economy that got exposed by the higher rates that exacerbated, you know, conditions and and uh, reinforced the, the 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 problems in the economy. But uh, you don't doesn't 
but that that doesn't necessarily argue for no recession. And, you know, you may have a recession that's just milder because you just don't have those imbalances. Yeah, uh, yeah. And an ounce okay. of humility, right? Typically, we only figure out those imbalances after. Good point. Factor. Right. <laughs> so there might be something out there that we're not uh, identifying, or maybe we're giving too little uh, weight to. Maybe there are you know con- uh, company balance sheets, zombie companies out there that we don't know about, or. I don't know, derivatives, who knows, right? There could be yeah. uh, the unknown other... unknowns. I think that's the question, right? That's being asked is what, what, what else could be out there? What shoe could drop? What fat still exists to be trimmed? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Before we call it a podcast, let's just go around the horn. Like we've been typically doing uh, just to uh, kind of sum it all up. What's the probability we, uh, go into recession at some point in uh, 2023. May, may, I, do you think we should extend that out now to early 24 as well? I mean, 2023, early 2024. Let's say over the next year. So that would encompass, you know, going into early 2024. Um, uh, Dante, let's start with you. You're you're kind of the mystery man here, I think. Uh, we haven't asked you that question in a while. I, I think last month I said 50%, and that's, that's where I am now. So whether I said 50 50- Last month, I'm, I'm there now. So yeah, I think it's still 50-50. But you have to take a side. So which side would it be? No recession or recession? Uh, I'm still on the no recession side. Right no now. recession side. Yeah. So you and I are, are like on the same page. I'm trying to keep my job, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can come back anytime. <laughs> come back anytime. Okay. Marissa, where do you stand? I'm still yeah, I think at last 55. time you were at, you were 55%, I'm right? I'm still at 55. You're still 55. Yeah. So today's numbers didn't push you in one direction. No, I mean, if, if anything, today's numbers are more heartening, I think. I mean, lower probability recession. I mean, it. Uh, yeah, I have no reason to up it right after today. So. Right. Okay. Very good. So, and we get the CPI number, I think, is that next week or? Yeah. I think yeah. Next week. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, Chris, it feels like she might be wavering here. If I would get a good CPI number, she might come in a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. We'll These see. are the two reports. Yeah. Okay, Chris. I think you were at seventy percent. Seventy. I'll. You know, two numbers here. That that ISM is is making me oh, uh, me think. So, uh, but uh, I'll I'll go with sixty eight. Oh, you know, oh, throw off, throw that's the, a movement, Mister Brightside. Is, yeah, that's a movement. Uh, uh. By the way, you. This is kind of a little mind numbing, but. You in your baseline would have a recession. For you to switch that back to no recession, would the probability of that have to be no recession two thirds? So one third probability of recession going forward. You see, yes, what, you see what I'm yes. saying? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh. So we're a long way <laughs> from you changing your your baseline forecast from recession to no recession. Well, but there's gradation, and and now that we we have slow session, you know. Okay. Another, I have another uh, degree of freedom there. Another degree of freedom. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. And I'm as I said, I'm still at 50-50. Mm-hmm. I do have we you know have to choose a side, and I I still side with no recession at this point. I feel actually the last two three months have been feeling better and better about that. So uh, I can't wait so to see. So still fifty fifty. No, you're not going yeah, uh, forty five. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, I I think it's. I, you know, I think that's still reasonable to be 50, 50, but you know, error, you know, if I had to pick a side, pick us the, the no recession side, but yeah, not quite comfortable enough to say, you know, less than 50, 50 at this point. Here's the other thing. 
which is going to complicate our discussion going forward is it, it, we are now going to start creeping into 2024. So, you know, it is that adds a level of complexity to this conversation around probabilities of recession as we move into 2024. Cause it, you know, uh, that's just, you know, looking out a little bit further, uh, you know, things, things do happen. Oh, okay. So what's your two year probability? I don't, I, you know, that's the question. Okay. Uh, next time. Let's do that next time. I'm not sure. sure. It's got to be higher than 50, 50 though. Doesn't it almost by definition, doesn't it sort of it's cumulative, right? Uh, yeah. Different okay. thinking. Yeah, but let's think about that and talk about that uh, in future podcasts. Okay, uh, anything else, guys, before we call it a day? Dante, looks like you uh, want to say something. I was just looking at the uh, market expectations for what the Fed's going to do. In, oh, yeah. Uh, and it, it shifted quite a bit on the report today. I think yesterday it was 60-40 in favor of a 25 basis point hike uh, in early February, and it shifted to... 75 25 in favor of a 25 basis point hike so the market seems to think that the fed likes this and will hmm. you know, more likely to downshift to 25 basis points can you tell what the have they brought in the the terminal rate because it was over five is it now below five by any chance can you tell it didn't look quickly yet. uh let me see yeah i'm just very curious i mean if it goes below five they you know prior to this report they had three rate three quarter point rate hikes kind of built in putting the funds rate just over 5%. Yeah, it's, it's still pretty split. So right now it is slightly in favor of the terminal rate at 475 to 500. Um, oh, okay. It's split that, between that and, and 500 to 525. So it's it's not a even, clear Evenly clear. split. So five on the nose, it feels basically. like. Yeah, basically. Okay, good. Thanks for that. Okay. Uh, well, with that, uh, we're going to call this a podcast. Thank you, listener. Talk to you next week. 